The Torah says of God that he remembered Noah as well as Abraham and Rachel. Surely this cannot mean that until that moment God had forgotten them, as it were. Rather, the Torah is teaching us that from that moment onwards, special providence and close guidance, hashkacha, was provided for those individuals. The meaning of remembrance is special attention. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 232, If I Forget Thee, I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Around 200 episodes ago, we told the tale from the book O Jerusalem of Operation Nachshon, the attempt to break the Arab siege of Jerusalem during the months leading up to the Israeli Declaration of Independence. Operation Nachshon sought to get Jerusalem's Jews enough food to sustain themselves through Passover and the months ahead. Trucks were filled with food in Tel Aviv and truck drivers were drafted to transport them into the breach. As the book's authors, Dominic Lapierre and Larry Collins, tell us, quote, They were vans from the Tanuva Air, Bedfords, Fords, factory trucks, delivery vans, heavy Mack dump trucks, open kibbutz farm trucks, white semi-trailers, hay wagons. They came in every size, shape, and color imaginable. Many of them splashed with posters advertising soap, baby food, a kosher butcher in Haifa, a brick kiln in Ramad Gan, or a shoe factory in Tel Aviv, end quote. The authors then describe the arrival of the convoy, led by Harry Jaffe, into Jerusalem. Quote, In Jerusalem, the news that a convoy was coming rippled through the city. Hundreds of people ran down Jaffa Road to watch it come in. Women in bathrobes, schoolchildren, religious Jews coming from morning service in the synagogues. They hung out of windows, clambered onto rooftops to watch in awe and gratitude. They sang and cheered and clapped as the convoy drove into sight. They were a desperate, hungry people existing that week on a ration of two ounces of margarine a quarter of a pound of potatoes, and a quarter of a pound of dried meat. For two weeks, not a single vehicle had reached the city, and now they were rumbling forward in a steady stream as far back as the eye could see. Dozens of trucks, bumper to bumper, crammed with supplies. Mature men watching from the curb wept openly. Children scrambled up onto the trucks with flowers. Even the sullen truck drivers were transformed. Rolling down the corridors of ecstatic human beings, they understood they had saved a city. Above all else, one memory would remain engraved upon the minds of those Jerusalemites watching the convoy stream down the streets of their city that happy April morning. It was the first glimpse many of them had of the convoy. The front bumper of the blue Ford of Harry Jaffe. On it, Jaffe had painted six words in English. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem. End quote. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem. It is one of the most famous phrases in the Psalms. And it is much more famous than an accompanying phrase, but it is perhaps the latter that is more important, and we must understand why. Psalm 137 presents us with the anguished words of Israelites exiled from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. According to Jewish tradition, it depicts the mindset of anguished Levites who up till now had been singing in Jerusalem's temple. The psalm begins with verses that have resounded throughout Jewish history. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember thee, if I place not Jerusalem above my chiefest joy. The phrase, may my right hand forget its cunning, 
is now standard. Though, as everyone notes, the words, it's cutting, is not in the original Hebrew, which literally states, Im Yerushalayim tishkach yimini. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget. The reference, as commentators explain, is to the playing of musical instruments. The singer is saying that he would rather forget how to play with his right hand than forget Jerusalem. Nevertheless, the phrase, may my right hand forget its cunning, was once so well known in a culture formed by the Bible that it could be referenced in various contexts. Thus, Abraham Lincoln, while traveling to Washington, D.C. from Illinois for his presidential inauguration, stopped in Philadelphia and spoke of how important Independence Hall was to him and how inspired he was by the declaration signed within it. Lincoln said, quote, All my political warfare has been in favor of the teachings coming forth from that sacred hall. May my right hand forget its cunning and my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I ever prove false to those teachings. End quote. It is a striking statement, though the phrase, if I forget thee, O Philadelphia, may not have exactly the same ring. Lincoln's speech highlights how famous that phrase is, but he also references the sentence that follows. Speaking to Jerusalem, the psalmist says, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember thee. The earlier sentence prohibits forgetting but the next one obligates remembering, or at least that is the word in English. The Hebrew, however, is stronger. Imlo ezkerechi. Its root, zachor, appears often in the Torah. And while it is often translated as remember, the fact is that there is no word in English that truly captures the meaning of the biblical word. We know what it means to remember, to conjure up the image of someone or something in our mind. But that is a purely psychological, internal, mental, and emotional experience. In Hebrew, however, the infinitive lizkor is, as we've discussed, something much stronger. Rightly understood zikaron, often rendered as memory, can rightly be translated as memory made emotionally manifest in action. The word does not merely mean what we call memory. Memory is indeed a component of zikaron, but it is only its starting point. Only when this memory is then expressed externally, has zikaron been achieved? Let me give a couple of examples from the Bible. First, there is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Zachor et Yom HaShabbat show, usually translated remember the Sabbath day to sanctify it. This serves for Jews as the source of the biblical obligation of Kiddush, our weekly ritual sanctifying the Sabbath. It is not enough to remember the Sabbath. That memory must reflect itself in an act of consecration. Rashi, writing on this commandment, expands this point, defining Zachor as Lashon Pa'ul, a demand for action, even during the week as well. The fourth commandment, as he explains it, reminds us to constantly bear the Sabbath in mind so that if we come upon a tasty morsel, we make memory manifest by purchasing that bit of food for the Sabbath. Memory made manifest in action, this is the fulfillment of Zachor. That is one example. Let us take another less legal one. Joseph implores the Sar Hamashkim, the minister of drinks, to act on his behalf when he gets out of prison. And despite this, we are told, Zachar Sar Hamashkim et Yosef, Translated in English, a redundancy results. The minister of drinks did not remember Joseph, and he forgot him. If he did not remember him, then surely he forgot him. Why is the second clause necessary? But in truth, the meaning of the verse is clear. Originally, 
the minister of drinks did indeed remember Joseph, but because he did nothing for him, because his memory was not manifest in action, therefore truly we could say, lo zachar et Yosef. He did not embody the biblical word zikaron. And then eventually, after some many months of doing nothing for Joseph, of not making his memory manifest in action, ultimately, vayishkacheyo, he forgot Joseph completely. One more example from an emotionally resonant verse in Jeremiah. Is not Ephraim a dear child to me, says God, through the prophet? Which can be rendered in English, for when I speak of him, I remember him. But this, however, as has been noted by others, seems incoherent, for one can only speak of someone if that person has already been remembered. Rather, the verse is saying, When I speak of him, I will draw on the memory I already have, and I will act on his behalf. Thus, in the conclusion of the verse, God then says, Rachem arachamenu, I will surely have mercy on him. Neum Hashem, saith the Lord. Thus, zikaron refers to memory made manifest in action. And this point has been stated explicitly by Yeshivat Haratzion's Rabbi Amnon Bazak. Quote, It seems as if there is more to remembrance than simply the opposite of forgetting. Zikaron implies that there is special attention paid to the object of remembrance. The Torah says of God that he remembered Noah as well as Avraham and Rachel. Surely this cannot mean that until that moment God had forgotten them, as it were. Rather, the Torah is teaching us that from that moment onwards, special providence and close guidance, hashkacha, was provided for those individuals. The meaning of remembrance is special attention, end quote. This then is what the psalm is saying to us here. First, do not forget Jerusalem. This means keep it always in your mind. But the next verse calls us to zikaron of Jerusalem, meaning to transmute memory into action allowing memory of the land of Israel and of Jerusalem to impact how we as Jews live our lives. We can therefore better understand how Psalm 137 captures the story of Jewish history itself. One of the most moving tales of national memory, indeed national zikaron, can be found in the memoir of former Israeli chief rabbi Israel Meir Lau. As a young child in Buchenwald, he was separated from his older brother Naftali, who had been obligated by their father to constantly seek his younger brother's physical and spiritual well-being. Naftali, finding his brother for a moment, sought to give the little boy some memory that would preserve his Jewishness. Rabbi Lau writes, quote, Despite the presence of the officers, Naftali did not give up on our goodbye. Searching for a safer meeting place, he went to the rear of the block where there were no SS guards. With the last remnants of his strength, he called my name. He spoke to me for just a moment but every word that came from his mouth remained engraved in my mind, as if it were his last. Lulak, he said, they're taking me. I hope, but I can't be sure that we will see each other again sometime. There is no way back from where they're taking us. You're a big boy now. You'll be eight in a few months. I can't and won't hide the truth from you. I see no chance of being saved from this hell. It's the end of the world. We have no father. They took Milik as well, and I don't know what happened to mother. She probably thinks and talks about us all the time, but I'm not sure she's alive. Now they're taking me too, and you'll be alone. Rabbi Lau describes more of what Naftali said to him, and then he recounts Naftali's conclusion. Maybe there'll be a miracle and you'll stay alive, and all this will end sometime. I've come to tell you that there is a place in the world called Eretz Israel. Say Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. Again, repeat after me. I knew not one word of Hebrew, but I repeated these two words, Eretz Israel. 
without understanding their meaning. Rabbi Lau then recounts how Naphtali explained to him what Eretz Israel meant, how it was the Jewish homeland. And then he writes how Naphtali continued, If you stay alive, you will surely meet people who will want to take you with them to other places because you're a nice kid. But you aren't going anywhere else. Remember what I say, only Eretz Israel. Rabbi Lau describes how Naphtali spoke to him a bit more and then concluded, Goodbye, Lulek. Remember, Eretz Israel. Rabbi Lau continues, That was all. He walked toward that camp gate. I saw his back retreating until he completely disappeared from view. Naphtali recalls that even as he moved farther and farther away, he still heard my heart-rending sobs. End quote. In the end, Naphtali and his brother found each other. But this is what zikaron means, to transmute memory into action in life, to bear in mind one's parents, the longing of generations for the land of Israel, to ensure that those memories remain with this young boy and that they become manifest in action, thereby ensuring his own Jewish continuity. Rabbi Lau describes further in his memoir how, upon arrival in the Holy Land, Naphtali brought him to the Western Wall to say Kaddish for their murdered parents. Soon after, that ancient part of Jerusalem was lost to the Jews, and then, almost 20 years later, they returned. Years after that, in a moment that Naphtali would never forget, the young boy he had protected became chief rabbi of Israel at that same site, in a land that Jews never forgot. And more importantly, to a land and city which Jews always remembered and showed through their everyday lives what Lizkor truly means. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together next week. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom, signing off. <laughs>